Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, folks. Mrs. Dale, have you been reflecting and thinking and reading the Scripture on the things related to the Godhead, to the triune nature of God? Uh, again, a profound foundational truth of understanding God and how He functions and who He is, and something that is uh, uh, often misinterpreted, often uh, uh, not even dealt with, not even addressed. And when it is, it's done as such a superficial thing that it really brings harm to the body of Christ because it brings confusion. And so we, uh, we're just going to look at some scripture related to it. We've already looked at First John five, the last couple of episodes. <clears throat> Today, I want to go to Acts chapter uh, seventeen. And here's the, the verse that has the, the word Godhead in it. It's verse 29. It says this, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought, ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. So he's given us some insight into what the Godhead is. Well, who is the who? Who is he talking to? And as we all know, it's really important to understand the context. So let's back up a little bit. In Acts chapter 17, verse 16, it says this. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens. So we see that Paul is the one that's being uh, spoken of right here. And where he is, he's in Athens and he's waiting. Well, he's waiting for his entourage, and the reason he's waiting, uh, he's waiting for Silas and Timothy and some other folks, the reason he's waiting is that he'd been run out of town. He'd been run out of Thessalonica and gone to Berea, and the Bereans had listened to him, but when the Jews in Thessalonica heard he was down in Berea, they threw a fit, went down there and caused trouble, and they had to sneak him out of town again. So Paul winds up in Athens by himself, waiting for the rest of the folks to get there. And it says this, verse 16 again. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. I love that verse. Uh, it's a good old southern phrase, right? Provoked. His spirit was being provoked within him when he was seeing the city and how many idols it had and full of idols. You know, I'm amazed because quite often people will say, oh, well, we're not like that now. We don't worship idols. Well, it depends on how you're defining idols. Here's what an idol is. An idol is anything that uh, gets more attention, more love, more of your time than the Most High God. Now think about that. Quite often in the life of true believers, the blessings of God can become an idol. We'll idolize uh Let's just talk about uh, physical things, the house he gives us or the car he gives us, the job, job he gives us, or the true blessings that he gives us, the spouse he gives us, uh, the children, the grandchildren that he gives us. If you're not careful, they will become idols. They will become more important than the Most High God. In this case right here, it is talking about just the pagan idols that were all over the city. And we see them all over everywhere if you know what to look for. Okay, if you drive through <laughs> where I live, I ask my uh, local Bible studies this kind of stuff all the time, and I'll say, if you just drove through town for the first time, what would be the most important things and what would be the idolatrous things? Well, there's three or four things that you see. There's a lot of car lots, okay, a lot of church buildings, okay, a lot of lawyers, 
a lot of Mexican restaurants, a lot of eating establishments, okay? And, and all these things are good in and of themselves, but if you're not careful, they become idols. So he was observing this. Now, verse 17, watch this. So Paul was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and with the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. So he's out and he's reasoning with them. Well, what's he reasoning in relationship to? Well, we're going to see in a few moments if we have time today that he's speaking to them the good news, the gospel, the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But his spirit is provoked by these idols. So he's in the synagogue, as was his habit. The God-fearing Gentiles, the, the Greeks, the ones that were not Jews, would listen. But it wasn't just limited to the, uh, the worship gathering or the teaching gathering. Paul did this in the marketplace every day. Paul would have been in Walmart. He would have been in the parking lot of Walmart after they kicked him out. Okay, Every day he did this. So verse 18 tells us something. And also, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. So these are the wise ones. Okay, These are the philosophers that you had to study in school somewhere along the way. And some of them were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? They called him an idle babbler. Others said this, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities. And then it tells us why. Because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Now, again, this is all context leading up to when he's talking about the Godhead. He'd come into a town where he doesn't know anybody, apparently. He's speaking forth the truth. Was he speaking forth the truth? Jesus and the resurrection. So they thought that they would hear some more from him because if nothing else, he's free entertainment, okay? And they took him, verse 19, and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, so we want to know what these things mean. Well, that's in and of itself, okay. They're saying, hey, what is this teaching? What is this new thing that you're saying? What is this strange thing? We've never heard anything about this. We've never heard about this guy. We've never heard of a resurrection like this, particularly from a Pharisee Jew, which is what Paul was. Remember that, okay? Verse 21, though, has this little parenthetical statement. In other words, it's actually in the parenthesis that I'm looking at right now and reading from. Acts 17, verse 21. Now, all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. So when they're sitting there saying, what is this new thing? What is this new teaching that you're proclaiming? They were so excited because it's something new. It's something nobody's ever heard of. And, you know, we're quite the same way. We really are. You know what? I hear it more than anywhere else. I hear it from the pulpit. I hear it with people who think they have to uh, uh, present something in a new way and in a different kind of way or nobody's going to listen. We have to be relevant. We have to be all this. And we think that the understanding of the gospel in the people's mind will only come about if we are able to speak it in a new way and if we can convince them. And nothing could be further from the truth. That's the reason that so much of what passes at preaching the thing is just speaking and they're being twice too cute about things. If we would simply just read the Word of God, one of the most powerful things you can do is just stand up and read the Word of God and let the Word of God speak for itself. But these folks, they wanted to hear something new. 
And so let me tell you what he did. And then we're going to stop right here because we're about out of time. We'll continue the next episode. This is Acts 17, verse 22. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus. He was given an opportunity to speak forth to these key Epicurean and Stoic philosophers and leaders and the people of Athens and strangers. This was the opportunity. This is it. He begins this way in verse 22. Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. Now, and some of us in our Western mindset and where we are, we're thinking, well, that's a weird place to start. Not at all. He's addressing them where they are, where they are. Where are they? They have idols all over the city. They know that there's something greater than them, something superior to them. They don't know what it is. They think it's a multitude and the plurality of gods in their mind. But Paul is about to speak to them about an unknown God, and he's going to speak to them about the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. We would do wise to learn what he said right here, how he said it. Also, to learn how later on he comes back and says, you know what, I probably could have done that a better way. We'll see that as we go, okay? Again, I'm Dale, and I thank you so much for being with me, and I'll see you again next time.